Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is uh, the, in our gospel lesson, the story of the prodigal son. And uh, the youngest son, while he was still a great way off, saw his father, and his father saw him, and, he had, and the father had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Dear friends of Christ, you know, have you ever found yourself at a lost and found, and you're kind of rummaging through the bin looking for a lost hat or a lost glove or coat, something there that you left behind, and then you find it in the joy that's there. You know, you, the lost is found. Uh, sometimes we don't find it, though, and it remains lost, and it's no big deal. No big deal if you can't find what's lost because, you know, you, you probably have a replacement at home or at least you can go buy one. Well, in our text today, Jesus teaches a much more serious lesson about something that's lost, and it's a lost soul, and a lost soul is a big deal. A lost soul is a big deal. Uh, it's not like a missing hat or a missing glove. A lost soul will spend an eternity separated from the Lord. And in order to illustrate that, we have the first son. We call it prodigal, which means excessive. He, was, he, he excessively sinned. He just excessively wandered away from his father. Now, I want you to understand, the father in the story, well, the father in the story is God the Father, right? And we can be either son. So you can, you can apply yourself either to the younger son or to the older son, but that's, that's in the parable who we are. And so, this morning, God wants to impress on our hearts the importance of losing the soul. And so we consider our theme, God's lost and found. In the parable of the prodigal son, God says we can lose our soul in two ways. Uh, the first way, of course, is wandering into sin like the prodigal son did. The second way is being self-righteous and thinking that I'm so holy I don't need God's forgiveness. But let's take the first son because the first son is illustrated his life uh, in the love of the pleasures of the world. He gets all caught up, drinking, alcohol, all those type of things. Uh, listen again to Jesus as he describes the younger son. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. In other words, you know, I want, my, I want my inheritance now. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his inheritance on wild living. This young man, just like all young men, they get to a point where they want to leave mom and dad, and they want to sow some wild seeds. <laughs> they want to have fun while they can still have fun. They want to do stuff that they haven't been able to do under their parents' watchful eye. But this young man didn't realize the danger in all that. He didn't realize that it was dangerous. I mean, what, what harm is there in a little fun? What can happen if I just want to stretch my wings, be my own boss, do my own thing, live my own way? Live the good life, eat, drink, and be merry. And he then walked away and he defiantly disobeyed his father, God's will. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do it when I want to do it. I'm going to do it how I want to do it. Do you hear the stubbornness there? The rebellion in those words? Does that sound like faith talk to you? What does it sound like? I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to live the way I want to live. It's our sin nature that's all around us. 
We see it on TV. We see it everywhere, telling us all the same things, enticing us, tempting us to be just like the rest of the world, just to do what everybody else is doing. And everything seems to be encouraging us to live contrary to the Word of God. And, of course, there's alcohol abuse, drug abuse, sexual immorality, the power of pornography. There is greed and lust and anger and jealousy and pride and envy. And we see it all around us. Anger, anger, jealousy, nitpicking, biting, picking on people, tearing them down. This sin surrounds us and it tempts us to make judgments on others and hurt others. But as you consider indulging all that, do you ever take time to sit back and imagine what it, and, and realize what it can do to your soul? Do you ever think about your lost condition and wandering away from God, what it can do to you, the damage, the, the danger that you're in, the idea of losing your soul for all eternity, does that even cross your mind? Or are you like the younger son who just simply wandered away and didn't even think about it? Well, Jesus teaches, uh, Jesus teaches us what happens if we ignore all those dangers of open rebellious sin and just say, I'm going to live the way I want to live and I'll just let God love me. He shows us what this destructive behavior will do. After the young men uh, had spent everything, all his inheritance, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be poor. <laughs> so he went, and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to feed the, fields in the, to feed the pigs in the fields. And the young man longed to feed his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. You see what had happened? This young man hit rock bottom. He partied. He had fun. His soul was, this younger son, his soul was in danger of being lost eternally. This young man was almost gone. And what did the father do? The father let him go. You say, why would a loving father do that? Well, it's not loving if the father grabs the son and says, I will not let you go. I love you too much. <laughs> so our Heavenly Father lets us go. And He hopes we just come back. Hit rock bottom. And with the money gone and the friends gone and the fun gone, what happened? Well, when his life began to fall apart all around him, with all the sinful choices he made, he came to his senses. He started to think about it. And that happens to us too, doesn't it? All the sinful choices we've made, some of the sinful things we've done when we lived in the muck and the mire of our sin, those times when we've done something and we think, God can't forgive me now, and where sin had its way with you, and you were pretty foolish in how you dealt with all that. And what followed? What followed all those poor decisions? Loads and loads of guilt and shame. And that's what this young man had. He had guilt and shame. One minute we're living in sin, we're enjoying all the fun, we think life can't get any better, and pretty soon we find out we're reaping all those fun rewards, and then it comes crashing down on us. The people we've hurt and how we've hurt ourselves and we see sin's destructive power 
We see it in our relationships, how they get broken. We see it in our families. And what happens? How do you feel? Well, there's loads of guilt and there's loads of shame. But Jesus says there's another way to lose a soul, and so we have the second son as an example here. The second way that's demonstrated how we can wander away from God, this older son is self-righteous. He's been so obedient, he doesn't think he's, a, he's ever been a bad kid. He thinks he's holier than everybody else. He's filled with self-righteous, sinful pride like all the Pharisees and the scribes were. And Jesus revealed the sinful heart of the older son with these words. Look, Father, all these years I've been slaving for you, and you never, I never disobeyed your orders, and yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Does that sound like faith talk to you? What does it sound like? Sometimes we're like the older son. And, and in self-righteous indignation, we cry out to God, God, I've been to church every Sunday. I've been the faithful one. I've obeyed all your rules. You haven't blessed me. You haven't done what you said you were going to do to me. You haven't made my life any better. So what's the point? Why don't I just go live like all the other sinful people out there? Why don't I just behave like the rest of the world? Does that sound like faith talk to you? What does it sound like? We have to be careful. Sinful, self-righteous pride will lead us away from the Lord. Sinful, self-righteous pride will lead us into anger. Sinful, self-righteous pride will lead us into jealousy of those around us, make us think that we're better than everybody else, that somehow we, res- we deserve a reward from God. And it'll make us bitter toward His grace and mercy. You didn't love me. You didn't take good care of me. You didn't provide for me. By the way, you see what's happening here? Both sons are wandering away from the Father. Both sons are alienated from the Father. But the Father, remember, is our Heavenly Father. One in pride thinks the Father doesn't love Him, and one in sin thinks the Father doesn't love Him. And they're both wrong. Both sons misunderstood their father's love because that's what sinful, rebellious pride and sin does. It misinterprets the father's love. Oh, I know my father's mad at me. I know dad is mad at me. There's no way he can love me now. Or there's no way my dad loves me. Look how he's treating me. He's not giving me what I think I deserve. And either attitude leads us away, doesn't it? We have a problem because our hearts make us stubborn. And our, it's our sinful heart. And Jesus said, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from what was in the heart. And that's what makes us evil. For it's from what comes, what's in the heart that makes us wicked. But the main point, the main point of this parable is not about your sinful heart. The main point about this parable is how much the father loved his sons. 
It's the Father's love. Now, God loves sinners like us. He does. He loves you. He just hates what we do. He hates the sin that we do. It, 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 he sees how we hurt each other. It grieves him. It grieves him. He sees how we're hurting ourselves. And it grieves him. It hurts him. He hates the sin that we do, but he loves us. And we get that all confused. He loves us and he wants to bless us, but he can't bless us if we're out just living in a way that he can't bless us. However, our sin makes it difficult for us to understand all that. We get stubborn. The younger son struggled with his father's love too. Our text says, when the younger son came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have plenty of food to spare? <laughs> I'm here starving to death. I'll set out, I'll go back to my father's house and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired men so I have enough food and at least have some shelter and clothes. So this younger son comes to his senses, he starts to figure things out. He hit rock bottom, he repented, he's ready for change. He's ready to return. Return to the Lord your God for he is faithful and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. But would the Father welcome him back? And of course, maybe you felt that way. Loaded with guilt and shame. And you think, I'm not sure I can come back. And your sin has caused you to misunderstand how much your Heavenly Father loves you. This young man didn't think his father would love him. Didn't think his father would welcome back into the family. Didn't think he could love him that much, but he did. Repentance is what happens. This boy is repentant. His heart has changed. That's what God wants from you in this season of Lent. A heart that changes. A repentant heart. And repentance is like looking at God's law and hearing these rules. And it's like a mirror. And then we look at ourselves and we see my sin nature. I see me as God sees me fallen, wicked, evil, not listening to the commands of my God, not even knowing the commands of my God. And I live the way I want to live, and I do what I want to do, and I say what I want to say, and I be what I want to be, and I'll believe what I want to believe. And then we look at God's law, and we see our ugly, sinful nature looking right back at us. Sin, uh, repentance is recognizing all that. Repentance is realizing our Heavenly Father should never welcome me back. I should never be part of God's family. And we feel that way because God's laws confronted us. And there's loads of guilt and shame. So we turn away from the Lord. But repentance is turning toward the Lord. Repentance is coming back. Repentance is seeking the, God's face, knowing that our soul is in danger, knowing that we are in danger of being lost for all eternity. And so we return to the one who can take care of that for us. And we come back to the Heavenly Father and we cry out, Lord, I don't want to be lost. Can I come home? And with a godly, heartfelt sorrow, we return. Because we've offended a holy and righteous God. And repentance happens when we know God is angry with us. Repentance is not just saying, gosh, I'm sorry. 
Now, repentance, as the Lutheran Confession says, repentance is terror smiting the conscience. Repentance is terror smiting the conscience. In our world, this kind of repentance is needed a little more, isn't it? God's terror smiting my conscience. And how did the father receive this broken, repentant heart of his younger son? He saw his younger son, he had compassion for him. The word there, compassion, is in his guts, in his, in his inner, inner being. He felt a deep love for his son, and he threw the doors open, and he ran toward his son. Can you see that old man running down the, down the, down the road? Right? And he, he gets to his son, and he embraces him, and he kisses him all over. And the son's thinking, Dad, 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 I don't deserve any of this. I don't deserve any of this. I've offended you. I don't deserve to be part of the family. Don't you get it? He loves you. He forgives you. Jesus died for all that. And the father made a big deal. The loss has been found. You are part of the family. He gave him a ring. Put a ring on his finger. Said, you are part of the family. Put a robe around him. Put shoes on his feet. Killed the fatty calf. Had a party. Made a big deal. Yes, I love you. Has God made a big deal for you? And we see it in the cross, don't we? Let's celebrate for the lost has been found. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And Jesus said, The Son of Man did not come into the world to be served. He came to, life, to give His life as a ransom for many. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. We're the lost, but He wants to save us. Hmm. So God comes to us. He runs toward us. He embraces us. He calls us. He seeks us out through His Word. And the overarching theme of Lent is what? The overarching theme of all the whole season of Lent, return. Come back to the Father. Scripture calls us to return. Even now declares the Lord, He says in Joel even now declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting, return to me with weeping and with mourning. Rip your hearts, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and abounding in steadfast love. That's the parable of the prodigal son. And it's all about no burdens too great, no sin too large, the terrible acts we've committed, the horrible things that we've said, the terrible things that we've done, all covered by the blood of Jesus. So be a good cheer. See, your sins are forgiven. And when you return to the Lord, you're no longer lost. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.